Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. It's unlikely that a decent poem is in me tonight, and I understand that this is strictly my problem, and of no interest to you, that I sit here listening to a man playing a piano on the radio, and it's a bad piano, both the playing and the composition. And again, this is of no interest to you, as one of my cats, a beautiful white with strange markings, sleeps in the bathroom. I have no idea of what would be of interest to you, but I doubt that you would be of interest to me, so don't get superior. In fact, come to think of it, you can kiss my ass. I continue to listen to the piano. This will not be a memorable night in my life or yours. Let us celebrate the stupidity of our endurance. Welcome to Cop on Podcast, you bulbous, bejeweled pomegranate. My name's Owen, and those opening lines were from a poem called A Not-So-Good Night in the San Pedro of the World by Charles Bukowski. A not-so-good night in the Anfield Road of the world was had on Sunday when Liverpool Football Club could only muster a goalless draw against high-flying, bitter rivals Manchester United. Before we are cast from the heron-priested shore of this introduction into the wine-dark sea of the episode, let me simply remind you that you can send us your bank details, photos and passport numbers to coponpodcast at gmail.com. You can mute us on Twitter at coponpodcast. You can support us on Patreon for as little as one US dollar per month. Or you could go down to your local pawn shop and tell the broker all about Cop On Podcast. I'm sure they'd be delighted to hear all about it. Enjoy the episode, me hearties. Enjoy. Well, well, well. Uh, after all of the um, wonderfully optimistic and floral and um, bouncing and pessimistic and optimistic previews before this match, the predictions, all of them that I heard, and I'd heard thousands, and I'd even made about five different ones myself. Um, in the end, it was the biggest anticlimax since Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's mother's sister's wedding. And nonetheless, uh, you know, it could have been worse, could have been better, as is usual with a draw. But I'm delighted, absolutely thrilled to have three Copon debutants with me today. Uh, Peter, uh, Abdul and Josh. I'm going to start with Abdul, um, who's joined us from uh, Watch LFC. Fantastic um, Twitter account, at Watch underscore LFC, that everyone should follow, of course. Abdul, um, how are you feeling after that result? I mean, what does that result mean do you think in in the context of our season well um hello guys thank you very much for having me um quite a pleasure to be honest um how i feel about the result um uh, <laughs> i to be honest you were talking about how everybody had made a ton of predictions about this before the the match was actually played i predicted a nil nil and uh ended up being exactly like that so it pretty much uh you know I saw Man United top of the table. I knew that Oli isn't going to go 
to Anfield and try and win the game. And I saw Liverpool having problems scoring goals over the last few weeks. So um, it went just about as well as I expected. I don't think it's doom and gloom, to be honest. Um, I don't think the title race is over, like some people are saying. Maybe not too many people, but I've seen a few of those shouts about. Um, but yeah, it's anticlimactic. Um, so yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we got a point from the top of the table team. I know it's Man United, so we shouldn't be happy with that, but I don't think it's the worst result ever. But yeah, uh, there's serious kind of chronic problems with Liverpool's attack at the moment. And it's quite right that fans should be concerned about that. So yeah well what do you think i'm going to stay with you on this because it's very interesting i was going to talk about this later but let's let's talk about it right now i mean what what do you think is going wrong up front abdul well uh i don't think it's a case of anything going wrong but it's just not going right um i think liverpool's attack it's quite clear that each three salah mane and Firmino, they're individually amazing footballers but they're even better as a collective and we saw that last season that um you know when our attack hits good form, they are unbelievable. They're unplayable. And, but it's not like because they're like, you know, unreal players. I just think it's more a case of the system that we play just gives so much space to somebody like Salah to get in behind and put him in one-on-one positions. And he pretty much finishes because he's got incredible mentality. It gives Mane the ability to do what he does with left foot, right foot, his dribbling ability. But for this season so far, it just seems like um, it's just maybe teams will figure us out. Uh, but I don't think it's 100% that. I think it's just, uh, yeah, I think, actually, yeah, I think it is more the case of teams are just watching the spaces that we usually do get into. And we're just not having the luck that we had last season um, when it came in front of goals. So that's kind of uh been the reason i think but then we had diogo yota come in and he had an amazing start and then he had his injury so he added a bit of unpredictability to our attack and i think we are missing that at the moment it's a very fair assessment indeed thank you very much um peter welcome to cop on podcast uh peter it's an absolute pleasure to have you with us peter liverpool fan you're in the west coast on the west coast of the united states is that right how are you feeling after after this uh this nil nil um well, thanks, Owen, for having me. Um, and Abdul, I, I like your positivity as well. I, I am on the West Coast. It's still morning, but it doesn't mean I don't have a pint going to help <laughs> help calm the heart a little bit after that stressful game. It's obviously points-wise still as you were between United and Liverpool. And I think we all saw, and everybody who watched today could could see that United they're just not impressive when they come up against top opposition. And I think we played played them off the park, especially in the first half. Firmino and Shakiri started to grow out of the game, unfortunately. Um, but I think the big winner of, of today is, is the fact that City saw both teams drop points. Um, we all know it's hard to make up points on City when they get rolling. And that's that's still more my concern than United especially after seeing um, the two of us go go head-to-head today. Um, but we're still not even through half of the season, and because of the late start to the season, you know, these games in January feel a little bit more pivotal than, um, than they are. 
Um, I don't even think we would have gotten up to Boxing Day in a normal season by 18, 18 matches played. So there's still 60 points left on the board, uh, but we are missing somebody like Jota um, to come in and and be a little bit more un- unpredictable. Um, we just don't have the personnel to make a real change off the bench to change our system and that delivery from deep, you know, from Virgil specifically is something that we're massively missing, but we just have to keep trying. We have to keep moving the ball. We have to keep believing Um, the ball is not really falling for us um, like it is uh, for other teams or the way that it has for us last season. I think the performances are still a little bit more encouraging uh, than we think, but you know, draws in the last few years have felt like losses, but there's still a lot a lot of positives there. And I thought Trent, um, it was nice to see him play a little bit better today. Obviously, it wasn't a magnificent display, but he, he uh, put in some nice nice passes, and it's good to see him um, shaking off that rust. Great stuff. Thank you very much, Peter. Um, lovely answer. Our, our third esteemed guest today is Josh. And Josh is a Chelsea fan, so Josh can give us a very... Um, you know, objective, zoomed-out view, uh, you know, away from the emotion that turns people uh, to, to to drink at, um, you know, very early hours in, in America. Uh, Josh, um, in the grander context of things, Liverpool are now third in the league on 34 points, Manchester United are first on 37 points, Leicester are on 35, Spurs are on 33 in fourth place, and Man City are fifth with 32 points so that City are five points off the top but City have two games in hand as we're recording this because they're about to kick off I believe um Josh in the grander scheme of things what sort of damage did that do did that do any damage in the in terms of Liverpool's title chances or even Manchester United's yeah, well thank you very much for having me on it's a, it's a pleasure to be here um the way the way I seen this game was it was two managers who did not want to lose the game. Um, I think when you're playing Henderson and Fabinho at centre back, and you know what Man United have in the final third with Martial, Rashford, Fernandez, I, I think it, I think Klopp went away from 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 that philosophy that he has, and you could tell Liverpool were being more conservative. You could tell Robertson and Trent were not going up as much. Um, you know, you know your midfield's always going to be compact, and it, it just seemed like the whole general aspect of the game just seemed to be more defensive for Liverpool you know Liverpool weren't moving the ball as quickly they were trying to control the game more to not let Man United counter-attack and Solskjaer was always going to go to Anfield and sit deep and just take on and just hope that one of those limited chances that United would create would um would be taken so I, I, I don't think you know you could look at it from two ways you could say you know you know does Klopp stick to it you know if Klopp went down and played like he normally did and then, but then United won. You know, people will be saying, "Well, you know, why is Klopp playing like this when he's got two midfielders or centre back?" And also, you know, I think this, I think in the gen, in the general scheme of things, this is a good point because every single game that goes by is a closer game to people becoming fit. You know, uh, Mataba and Jota. The and because of that, I think that's why the front three were very uh, unlike themselves because they weren't going to be given their uh, they weren't going to be given the usual service because I said the fullbacks were not high, as high up as the pitch the midfielders probably told to play more safer passes than get balls into the front three like you would normally see. I think this was just a, I think this was just more of a game of 
two managers not wanting to lose. Solskjaer was never going to go there and play for a win. He never does in a big game. He'll always play for a draw in any uh, against any top six team. And I think I think Klopp just did something that isn't like Klopp and played for the draw because he knew that if he went out there and played. So he went out and played open. If he did like he did against Spurs, I think it was probably probably more of a, a fair way to to say it. If he went out and played like he did against Spurs, United would have ripped you because Spurs created chances, and I think United are a better attack and style than what Spurs are. Um, so I think I think I, was, I think that's how I seen it anyway. I could be completely wrong, but it just it just felt like Klopp was content with a point because if you lost that game, obviously you lose your home record, but you would probably you would put yourself in a in a worse situation because those two points. <clears throat> you know, I was thinking two years, uh, two years ago in the title race between you and uh, between Liverpool and City. Those two, those, that extra point save can make a real grand scheme of things, um, especially as you get people back. So I don't think there's anything really worrying for Liverpool. Um, I think it is just a matter of you need to get a set, you need to get a centre back back there. You probably need to get Henderson back in the midfield, and you just need to get people back because um, you know if I think Firmino is low in confidence, so you may want to look at maybe playing Minamino or Divock Origi striker or obviously Jota when he comes back. I, I just think this is more of a safe performance for confidence wise, and also those two points that you could have dropped if you went out and played the way you normally do could have made a big difference in the end. Lovely stuff. Thank you very much. Um, really, really good answer there. Um, you were saying Klopp, I, I'm not sure he particularly set up for a draw, though, in terms of um, his lineup, at least, because when it came out, I mean, Alisson, Alexander-Arnold, uh, Henderson on the left side of defence instead of on the right, where he was frankly awful against Southampton excuse me um, uh, and he was a lot better on the left side of the central defence uh, and Robertson but then in midfield he brought Shaq the power cube um, XS um, himself what did you make of, of Shakiri today Abdul? Nah absolutely what you're saying um, I don't know if you guys knew but on the timeline there was that rumour going around that Milner was starting and I was absolutely fuming i was like come on it's clear that ollie's gonna go for the nil nil and you're gonna pack the midfield with what tiago who's a six genie who also plays six sometimes and milner who is you know par- no, he's, he, but yeah i mean respect to james milner but it was just not what we needed and then when i saw shakiri i was like thank god for that so yeah i, I think it was an interesting choice from Klopp because i mean Shakiri's only just come back from injury recently. I actually thought that Oxley Chamberlain was going to get the chance because he's been back for a while, um, hasn't had a lot of appearance time. So I thought maybe, you know, he's been back from injury for a while. This is the time to unleash the Ox. But um, he went for Shakiri because, you know, he is a very decisive player, um, has been decisive against United in the past, and even recently came on the other week and got two assists within like 10 minutes. So. Um, and he was also, again, playing this really new role that he's been playing this season where he's kind of like an eight rather than just being a right winger. And uh, I was interested to see if he's going to line up on the right side of midfield or if he's going to play as the eight. But I think most of the match he did show up at eight and he had a few nice touches. So you can't even fault him. Selection wise, um, yeah, I don't think there was much more Klopp could have done to squeeze the, squeeze the team into a bit more of an attacking feel. But I mean... I think what he was saying about throwing in Minamino, throwing in Origi, like one of the things that's good about Frank Lampard is if Tammy Abraham isn't having a good week, then he'll put Giroud in the team. If Timo Werner isn't having a good week, he'll put uh, 
Giroud in the team or whoever else, but Klopp just persists with Firmino all the time, consistently. And it is getting a bit tiring. I do want to see Minamino have a chance because he had a good game against Palace and he hasn't touched the ball since. He hasn't been on the pitch since. So, yeah, um, I think Klopp can be more adventurous, but I think the lineup he put out today was pretty much what we could have expected, but with a nice surprise of Shakiri. Yeah, fair enough. Um, uh, Chadan Shakiri uh, had 74 touches of the ball today. Uh, his passing accuracy was 86.7%, which is very, very, very good uh, for, for a midfielder playing in that sort of eight position. Um, he, he had one key pass and two shots. Um, I thought he looked all right, Peter. What did you make of Shaq today? I feel the same way. I was happy to see him on the pitch. Um, he grew a little bit out of the game. You could tell that um, they had been drilling their routine and positions hard because they've. I think they've had nine days off to spend on the um, on the training field. And you know, um, sometimes you get uh, a positive um, results from all that time, um, but sometimes we come out a little bit flat. And you could tell that they had a uh, a lot of trust in what they were trying to achieve um, with Shakiri. And you know, Abdul, to your point, I. I do think that um, Klopp is sometimes scared to be adventurous. Um, but in this instance, uh, I, I do think Firmino has been quietly putting in some, some pretty good showings the last couple weeks. Um, he had some some winners denied by some great uh, saves. Uh, what was it, the Newcastle and the West Brom game? In, in both of those games. But I do, I do find it odd that Taki hasn't been able to come on, even if it's just for the last five minutes. But as far as the Shakiri shot goes, I was a little bit nervous that we were starting uh, with Hendo at the back again. Um, I thought maybe we would put Phillips um, in there, or I thought Matt Matip might might be fit. But um, but that creativity was there, and I think it was a really good really good showing from him. And I hope he continues to to sh- show trust because while we don't have a fourth uh, you know serious goal scoring option, I think we need to keep uh, using the creativity of the. Uh, the midfielders that we have in Tiago and both Shakiri. So I hope it, I hope Klopp agrees that it was an encouraging performance. It's very interesting. It's a very interesting answer. It's an interesting question um, about our creativity. Because I'm just looking at, you know, the statistics from whoscored.com. And key passes were very well spread among the team. Uh, Henderson had one. Robertson had two. Georgina Wijnaldum had one. Tiago had two. Shaq had one. Uh, Salah had two, Firmino had two, Mane had two. It's a lot of chances that we're creating. Um, And we ended up with, I believe it was 17 shots, but only three on target. And so that makes a grand total of only 10 shots on target in four games. And it's that comes on the back of us beating Crystal Palace 7-0 when we had eight shots on target in that one game and we scored seven goals. Josh, this is is a very strange team, this Liverpool team, isn't it? But is it simply a question of just kicking the ball in the net because we're doing everything else? I... I think think teams are starting to figure out how you can play Liverpool a bit more because you, you, you you know very well if you stop the full box crossing the ball into the box... 
you're 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 stopping an outlet because stopping the Liverpool midfield isn't particularly difficult because they are more of a they're more there for for you know defending and more there to stop counterattacks more than you know being being a creative outlet. I think when I think when he um. I think when Klopp rung on James Milner instead of Chamberlain, it kind of just summed up what Klopp was trying to do, and that's why I think he was playing for a draw. You know, could, he could have, he could have got that extra bit of push, that extra bit of energy, but he rung on James Milner and said, "Right, we're going to try, we're going to hold, we're going to hold it out and take and take the point." So I think I think it's a matter of I literally think it, I agree with the other two guys. I think it is literally a matter. Klopp has to be more adventurous. You know, if if you watch Manchester City, you know you see Pep Guardiola has changed. He's changed minimal things up to be a bit more adventurous, a bit more creative. He's left Aguero out. You know, Aguero doesn't Aguero doesn't play anymore. He plays different people up top. So I think it is a matter of Klopp needs to get Minamino more full. Needs to play Shakiri more often. Needs to get Jota back as soon as he can. I think it is just a matter of trying to get try and basically get that midfield more creative. If you get that midfield more creative, then you're adding a whole different dilemma for trying to try and defend that Liverpool team. Because teams are starting to figure out how you isolate the front three. They know that Firmino's not a goal scorer, so that's one person you don't have to worry about scoring. So then you just you then you you put extra focus on Salah, who is struggling. He has struggled for the last two seasons. And then Mane who's in a bit of a dip and you know that can happen. You know, Mane can't do it all by himself at all times. So it is just a matter of if Klopp needs to be more adventurous, he needs to he needs to get more creative player. He needs to get more energy into the team in the midfield, um, because team teams are starting to teams are starting to learn. Because like you know, when when it happens to one game really well, teams will look back at the film and they'll just replicate it. And just Liverpool just don't have an answer for it. And the only way you get an answer for it is by changing the system and getting more creative players in there, like Minamino, Chamberlain, Shakiri, and whatever else. Um, staying with you, Josh, you don't think Thiago could be the man? Because I'm, I'm looking at his stats and they're off the wall. Um, three tackles, seven interceptions and one clearance uh, are his uh, defensive um, uh, stats. But then offensively as well, two shots, one on target. He almost scored uh, put, and um, two key passes, five dribbles. Um he gave away some fouls that were not fouls. I thought the referee who was born in Greater Manchester was an absolute tool. He gave them 15 fouls. Uh, he gave 15 fouls to United and only six to Liverpool in the entire match, uh, which I thought was an, an utter nonsense. But in terms of creativity in the midfield, we've got Thiago now. Um, maybe Shaq will start more and, and Klopp will go with this system again. It seemed to work fairly well but can Thiago will he be enough Josh uh, you know in terms of be, being able to once he finds more rhythm um, being able to really be the linchpin of this Liverpool side creatively and even defensively in midfield I think um, it's, a, it's a very good point about Thiago because you know Thiago about you know, you know his creativity playing those balls from deep uh, you know giving the balls into Lewandowski to Thomas Muller to uh, Gnabry and Coleman and all that you know it was exceptional it was the reason why Bayern Munich are doing really well and if you know if you look at Bayern Munich last season they are seriously 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 lacking a creative person they are they are missing Thiago really you know really big because uh, Hamshik uh, relied on him a lot to provide that service and that attacking threat you know Thiago is obviously playing as the deepest midfielder. Um, and I think that's just I think that is just obviously because of Henderson of Fabinho having to play at the back. Um, you know, because Genie Van Alden, you know, he's played there, he's played there before, and he hasn't looked really anything special. There's nowhere else, you, no one else you can really play there. <clears throat> I think obviously when you get Matt back, I would definitely, definitely 
uh, move Henderson into the deepest midfield role. I know it's not particularly his best role, but I would definitely push Thiago up into the number eight role, get him more box to box, give him that a bit more f- f- uh, creative uh, freedom, because if he, you know, he can do it from deep, but like he can't push up any further than what well, probably than the, the semi circle. Um, uh, otherwise, obviously, you're, just, you're leaving your midfield completely open. So. I, I do think if I do think Thiago could make the difference. I don't. I think I think he's okay in the Premier League at the moment. I don't see any issues like like, like Kai Havertz or Timo Werner where he's struggling in the Premier League. I think he I think he's adapted. I think he looks fine. But he just he's obviously having to play that role because of injuries. But once um, Joel Matip is fully fit again, which I'm assuming I'm assuming is a week or two, um, what I've seen from Klopp in the before the United game, I would put I would put Henderson back at number eight. I would push Thiago up. Uh, I would probably you know, I would I would replace. Um, I would replace him with uh, Wijnaldum, and I would definitely, and you know, I would, I would definitely, definitely, definitely think that that would help you Liverpool's creativity. And I think, I think uh, Thiago would unlock defenses, and it would really, really add an extra element of threat into that Liverpool attack. I mean, I, I was, I was highly encouraged by by his performance. Um, I just, I, you know, I, I, I have never bought a shirt with anyone's name on the back. But I'm tempted, Abdul, with Thiago Alcantara. What did you think of Thiago today? I'm going to absolutely echo your sentiments. I've never worn a player's name on the back of my shirt ever before. But when we signed Thiago, I literally said, this is going to be it. This is, I'm taking the plunge, lads. So um, I was <laughs> I was happier than a lot of Liverpool fans uh, when we signed him. I know Liverpool fans were very happy. Um but I, I'd called this move like years ago. I was like, we need a lot of Liverpool's like um, actual football playing issues result in the first phase of build up. So I've for like years, I've, I've always wanted a midfielder who could play football deep. Um, somebody like, you know, Xabi Alonso back in the day, somebody like Busquets, somebody like, um, you know, Xavi Hernandez and Thiago just fits the bill so well. So I've been so glad to have him. And we've seen his qualities immediately from when he came on in Chelsea. Uh, the way that he was just manipulating the ball, moving players around, picking up passes. And he's been doing that in every match we've seen him since. So we've missed him a lot. And yeah, he's come back from his injury now. And he is, it's like he hasn't missed a beat. Um, he has, I don't think he's had a bad performance yet since he's been back. Um, but yeah, even today, he was making interceptions. That was, a, that was a good thing that I saw as well. He's actually making interceptions because you don't think of him as, the, you know, the Fabinho type making good challenges and stuff, but he is, he's, he's got to grips with the Premier League in terms of, you know, um, the physicality and, you know, the defensive awareness. So that's great to see. But then on top of that, yeah, he's playing his football, which is exactly what we want him to do. And Pepin Linders said before the season started that, you know, when it comes to Liverpool's creativity issues, it might not be something that we can work on systemly, system-wise, but um, it might be something that we have to use a signing for. And then we signed Thiago. So it's clear that we are looking at Thiago to really bring on, to uh, open up our play, basically, and um, help us attack down the middle nowadays rather than just constantly forcing everything wide through Trent and Robbo and give us more options. So, yeah, uh, great performance. Well, not great, but, you know, very promising performance from him again. Hopefully he will follow it up with more and more and more. And uh, John Stones just scored for C, so that's pretty bad. But, uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. (laughs) Oh well, I mean, you know, City are gonna win. I'm not even, I'm not even watching it. Of course, they're gonna win that match, but they've only scored 26 goals now, and uh, I do think that they, you know, when they come up 
um, against you know better opposition. They they if when they go behind in games, they really 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 struggle. Problem is they're not going behind in games at the moment, but I think it will come. Um, I might be wrong, of course. Uh, I usually am. Peter, um, Tiago was definitely. Uh, a positive today. Um, seven interceptions uh, that Abdul was talking about. It, it was the most in the team. The second most um, was the other guy that uh, Abdul mentioned, Fabinho. Both of them read the game like a book, uh, but a very easy book. You know, the hungry caterpillar, perhaps. Peter, um, Fabinho was another positive today. And I was thinking about this, you know, the question, sort of classic question for Liverpool fans, is should he continue at centre-back when we get more centre-backs uh, returned from injury? Um, or what I was thinking is just, we should just ask him what he wants to do. Because I love watching him at centre-back. I think he's probably the best centre-back in the league, whilst Virgil van Dijk is injured um but yeah fabinho well i don't know just talk to me about fabinho peter <laughs> well i love that you asked me this question i don't think there's a bigger fabinho fan than myself and i don't think he gets talked about often enough um to that point it's hard for me to forget how amazing we've been with fabinho as our six and imagine him and Henderson and Tiago all in our midfield, allowing Henderson to move forward like he did um, last season a lot. We also are missing Fabinho, um, putting in the odd um, long range shot every now and then. Uh, his his ability to dink a pass over the defensive line, sort of like Tiago does, he still offers so much offensively, even though he is so stout defensively and I would love to get him back into the midfield. Um, obviously uh, he's doing a great job as center back and I would agree. It'd be hard to argue that there is a better center back in the league right now. Today he ushered Rashford off the ball. Um, it was, it was a little bit of a two on two, two on one, and it looked like he was beat and Fabinho just once again knew exactly how to play it cleanly, got him off the ball. There was another counterattack in, uh, I think it's the second half, and Fabinho once again put in a great tackle. The guy is just exceptional wherever you put him, and he's also extremely durable, knock on wood, but I would get him back into the midfield so that we can allow Tiago to do a little bit more uh, offensively and use his creative skills to to venture a little bit more forward because Fabinho's defensive abilities, you know, it, once we have Virgil and, and Gomez back, I would I would definitely move him forward just because we have that luxury, but not because, you know, he's not doing an exceptional job. And uh, I don't I think it's a cultural thing. Real quick side note, I think it's funny that you guys haven't gotten a uh, kits with players names on them I, I literally have two Virgil van Dyke jerseys <laughs> and uh oh, anyway good I just, choice. yeah <laughs> um but uh yeah anyway uh I I just agree Fabinho once again arguably a man of the match performance for me either him or Allison or, or Tiago he's uh he's great to have wonderful answer thank you very much um 
Josh, um, I'm just going to um, go through defence, midfield, attack. I'm going to give you uh, three players um, that we haven't talked about yet, and you can choose one of them and just go wherever you like with it. So Trent Alexander-Arnold, Jordan Henderson, or Andrew Roberts? Um, uh, we'll go, 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 for, um, go for Henderson. So I think... Um, Jordan Henderson um, isn't obviously one of those people you look at and you go, oh, he's absolutely amazing on the ball. He's, um, you know, he's, he's so clean on the ball. But obviously, what Henderson has more than the foot and the skills on the pitch is obviously the, the spirit and more defeating people on the pitch. And um, I, I, know at, I know he's looked at by other fans around the league um, that he's not actually a good player, that he's overrated. But I think, I think he is crucial because... People like people who don't do a lot on the people who don't make game does game changing uh, passes or scores goals are the people who actually make the real difference. And uh, especially when you're a captain, uh, I thought Henderson played really well today. To be fair, you know when you're up against that Man United front four, um, who, who you know who who are scary, especially when you're contact. I thought he I thought he did really 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 well. It seemed like obviously I think. Um, the week in training that he managed to get, obviously he would have been he would have been practicing. And training on the shape, I think that really, really, really did help. I think his positioning was really good. He was staying in line. His communication was really great. You know, he wasn't coming out too. He wasn't coming out of line too much to try and uh, get the ball, which I think he was doing against Southampton a bit too much. Um, obviously, even though um, United didn't really press like Southampton did, so um, he wasn't under as much pressure, which I think really, really helped. I think if United were a bit more adventurous in that case, uh, they could have got some choice of um, pressing Henderson. But I, I think Jordan Henderson. Um, as I said, I think when Matip comes back, I would play Henderson um, in the deepest role. I know um, he he played a bit. For, I know he played a bit further forward. He played more of a box to box role when Fabinho was in CDM last year. I think that's probably what Henderson's best at. But I think given your injuries, given your situation, to move Thiago more forward, to bit to get a bit more spark in the midfield, I think Jordan Henderson should play deep. Um, and I think I think I think that would I think that would help a lot with the goals because I just feel like it would open up that midfield a bit because I felt like that midfield was very locked today. Uh, it was very locked. It was, there wasn't much freedom allowed. You know, the back the back four and the and the middle three kind of had to just stay as one and let the front hoping the front three came up with a miracle to score a goal, which never really you know, never really came out came off came off a chance. So Jordan Henderson, as I said, you know. He's one of those players that you would look at and you'd go, "Wow, he is! You know, he's absolutely amazing on the ball. You know, he isn't like a Thiago, for example, but the role that he does play is very crucial. And I think when he goes back, if he if he gets moved back into the midfield, as I would expect him to be in that deep role, um, unlocking Thiago a wee bit more, I think that that small wee difference will make a really big difference going forward for Liverpool. And you'll start scoring goals again, and you'll start getting back to that scary team that you are. Because I I feel like just I I think a lot of people. A lot of people are talking about it, but I think Henderson that centre back today was probably very, very impressive because going up against that United attack, it could have been very easy for him just to slip up and make a mistake. I thought he was he was disciplined, he was smart, and he left a lot of the main defending up to Fabinho, and he kind of just cleared up anything what he needed to do. Which I thought I thought he played a very smart and uh, intelligent game what he needed to do. Lovely answer. Yes, it was smart. It was intelligent. He made six clearances. It was the most in the team. Actually, double um, anyone else. Uh, the, the next best was Fabinho on three. And 
so six clearances, obviously there when it mattered. Uh, one tackle and no interceptions for Jordan Henderson today. Um, but yeah, he, it, it's it's intriguing. He's, you know, he, I do think that might be uh, one of the plans for certain games is to put you know Hendo in the six, let Thiago go forward a bit. Very very interesting stuff. Abdul, um, I'll give you three players: uh, Trent Robertson or Jeannie Vineldum. Oh, well, you said it with that last one, eh? The player who's been in the headlines for all the wrong reasons. Uh, Mr. Wijnaldum. Such a... Uh, firstly, you've just got to pay your respects for what he's given to this club over the last few years. And then you've got to express that, you know, the disappointment that he's going to be leaving. Um, but beyond that, he is actually a bit of an enigma of a player because we see his form with Netherlands. We see how bombastic he plays with them and how he can score loads of goals and be really effective in the final third and then with Liverpool a lot of fans just criticise him for his invisible performances um, but I think he again to quote Pepin Linders uh, a few years ago he said something like players like Firmino, Gini, Virgil they really understand the way that we play as a team and they're kind of like integral to how we play as a team. And he is, he absolutely is. Um, so I'm going to be sad to see him go. Um, but I mean, then you look at our other midfield options who could step in to take up those minutes and you almost feel like you don't need a signing there. I would even contend that we don't need a signing to replace him because uh, you've got Thiago who can, you know, who will probably when we get all the centre-backs back, you probably do have that midfield of Fabinho, Henderson, and then Thiago. Um, but then you've also got uh, Curtis Jones coming through. Really impressive this season so far, and he's got a lot that he can add, um, especially going forward, which is possibly an area that Wijnaldum doesn't add so much. And then you've also got Oxlade-Chamberlain, who is trying to get back to his 17-18 form, which was, you know, at some point you were thinking, Kevin De Bruyne, who are you? Because uh, he was just playing so well. And then you've got Naby Keita. And yeah, I'm a Naby Keita evangelist. So I will continually believe in him until we, till somebody calls, calls a day on it and pulls a plug and sends him off to Leipzig for half the money we paid. So um, yeah, we've got options in midfield. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I'm going to miss Genie for sure. Um, do you want me to talk about another player or is that fine? Well, I mean, if you want to, um, I was asking you to choose one of the three, but I'm very happy if you want to talk about someone else. Yeah, please do. Well, I mean, uh, I think somebody touched on it earlier, but I thought Trent was, um, you know, shaked off a bit of the rust. I think it was Peter who said it. Um, yeah, he's obviously the last performance he had was not good at all by his own standards. And I could see in some of the training picks he was showing that I'm focused. I'm coming into Manchester Derby. I'm going to prove it. And yeah, it was nice to see him, you know, uh, put in some nice balls and, you know, show a lot of solidity. So um, hopefully he builds on that and uh, hopefully he keeps that. He wants to prove something mentality because at the moment, the way the attack is, we're going to need as many of his gold-tinted crosses um, to, to score some goals. So, yeah. He did very well, Trent, especially defensively, I thought, today. Um, going forward, he he had 10 crosses. His crosses are not hitting the mark this season. They're really not. 10 crosses and uh, none of them were accurate, unfortunately. His passing accuracy was 80% and 
um, in the game before where he was very, very poor, his passing accuracy was down to about 62%. So obviously a big improvement there. But yeah, the killer ball, it's not quite coming off for him. Um, he did play the absolute beauty with his left foot to crossfield pass into the path of Andy Robber. But um, yeah, he just looks a little bit like his confidence is a little bit shaky, but it was very much uh, better from him today. And it's just a matter of time. He can just stay cool, stay calm, and his natural talent will come out. Um, Peter, uh, so you can talk about Andy Robbo, uh, uh, Mohamed Salah, or Sadio Mane. Well, I will um, talk about Andy Robertson. Not that today was his most impressive um, game for us. Um, I really wish that he would start taking on some more shots. And I know he took, there was one ball came down and he tried to volley it out of the air and it went a little bit wayward. But he, he gets a lot of really good looks on, on net and he's just, starting now, I think, to, to sniff around that near post. And I think the more that he can uh, keep the the opposition keepers guessing a little bit, I uh, might be able to get them out of position, maybe open up a little bit more space for him to get the ball across. Um, as I talk about Andy Robertson, I'm sort of going to bring uh, Mo Salah into this. I feel as if the last handful of games, when... Robertson gets a, a ball across just in front of the keeper, just out of reach. We haven't had one of our uh, one of our forwards um, getting quite far enough forward the way that a real striker might might be ready to just tap something in. Firmino does at times, but sometimes I think we're just not anticipating uh, the progressive nature of some of the crosses uh, that are coming in, and I, I think a conversation needs to be had. Uh, between them to to increase the potency level of of Andy Robertson, whether he's taking on a shot or if the strikers are being a little bit more um, proactive in getting that little bit further beyond the defender um, at the far post for for a tap in because I'm just I'm so surprised more has not come off for him this season. This is very interesting. No, it's very interesting. You should say that. I thought we were a bit better today. That was something that I wanted to see. Uh, that I thought was missing in, in the last three games before today um, were, was the, uh, you know, the way that uh, Firmino, I thought, today was trying to get in front of the defender on the near post uh, and Salah was on the back post. I, I noticed it a few times today, whereas in the past, Firmino would be sort of hanging out on the edge of the box and you would just have Salah to hit, which is why most of the crosses didn't find their target but um I thought it was a bit better today I don't know if if uh, I mean Robertson he, he had seven crosses and two of them were accurate but uh, yeah I don't know what do you reckon Peter I I agree I think I think they're aware of what we're, we're, we're talking about and I think they're trying to sort it out there was one I think uh I think Trent at one point reversed the play and got it all the way out to Robertson and Robertson Robertson got well beyond um, was it uh, Wambasaka uh, either way he put in a beautiful cross and and Firmino was just past Maguire it looked like but you know credit to Maguire he put in a decent block um, and you know Firmino was denied by another decent block early in the first half so um, I do think they are hip <laughs> to what we're 
uh, talking about right now. It didn't come off, but I, I think they're trying to, to find those spots. Excellent stuff. Um, yeah, um, I thought it was quite interesting that Mane and, and Salah switched wings because they normally never move. But uh, Klopp, is, there was another thing that I wanted to see um, against Southampton that didn't, hap- didn't happen. They switched wings, um, but still they were running into dead ends, uh, Josh. Um, did you think, what did you think of that? Move or, or you know Sadio Mane or, or or Salah. I mean, I mean we, we, you talked about it a little bit, but what what is there is there a solution for for them other than just better service? I think I think this all kind of links into what I was saying earlier. I think Klopp knew, you know, as I said, I've said I've said it, I've kind of made my point clear about how I thought Klopp was setting up. And I think Klopp knew that the Man United defense, he, you know had that, you know, even though Harry Maguire and Lindelof were, I found Harry Maguire and Lindelof were shaky, they, you know, they, they gifted chances to, they give the chances that Liverpool could have latched on to. But in general, I think that Klopp knew, Klopp knew that the midfield was, uh, so the, the back four of United were controlling that front three of, of Liverpool quite well. So I think he was just trying to make, he was just switching the wings to try and see if Salah could, you know, if, if Salah or Mane could give Wan-Bissaka and Shaw a bit more of a threat because you know I think Wabasaka and Shaw dealt with dealt with them quite well I think you know um, obviously Wabasaka is obviously a great 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 defensive and uh, fullback probably one of the best in the probably the best in the league and Shaw I thought, I thought Shaw had a very solid game uh, I, th- I think it was just Klopp trying to I think it was just, well, I think it was just Klopp trying to, to change things up because he didn't he, he was he didn't want to chuck the chuck the chicken sit uh, chuck the chicken uh, the kitchen sink out, sorry. Um, so it, I think it was just trying to, it was just trying to be creative with that mid, uh, with that front three. If if I was him, I would have put me Mina one and have all three of them interchanging because that really, really, really would have, you know, really would have made things interesting. Uh, that would have had a whole new element of of um, threat up front and for the United defense to figure out. But I generally think it was the fact that Klopp was playing it safe. He didn't want to change the general game plan of it and. In a sense, without <clears throat> hopefully I don't get slaughtered for service, but I think he was just a bit uh, confused on what to do because he didn't have the player. He, he didn't want to. He didn't want to change the game plan, but he also knew that you know he can't. You know the attacker threat wasn't there, so I think it was just Klopp was stuck in two minds what to do, and he just he didn't want to change things, but he could also figure out a way to change what was happening on the pitch, and it it, it just seemed. It just seemed that way because you just you, when you was when you seen Klopp on the sideline, you can just he, he was calm and he he was relaxed uh, and you could tell he you could tell he was processing and he was thinking more than what he normally. Well, you don't know he's up and shouting, but he was he seemed like he was thinking more and he was in communication with the number two a lot more. So it just seemed it just seemed like he was just trying to make things work without changing anything big. Yeah, it's interesting shout to put Tacky on. Um, it it may well have shook it up. Uh... To our advantage, but uh, you know, nil nil, it was. Um, very quick word on the referee. Just, I'm not going to ask anybody any questions. I'm just going to call him a dunderhead and a fool. Um, greater the fact that you've got a a, a referee from Greater Manchester to referee a game involving one of the Manchester clubs is an absolute nonsense. And the way that he blew the f- the first half uh, to a close. Uh, when we had a player through on goal with five seconds left on the clock before uh, the three minutes were up, 
and uh, the ball had gone out of play, so he should have allowed that move to go on, but he didn't. That was one of his biggest mistakes. But the, the biggest thing was the fact that, as, as, as I mentioned in the preview, he's exactly the kind of referee for if someone just falls over and screams, he will give them a free kick, whether he's seen the incident or not. Um, it happened lots of times today. 15 fouls uh, against Liverpool um, and six fouls for Liverpool, you know, like it, it, the man is just basically incompetent. This is why he's not a Champions League referee. But that's enough of the referee. I'm not going to dwell on it. It's just ludicrous. Um, let's just think about, you know, then I'm going to ask you for, for your man of the match, uh, actually, before we move on. Uh, for me, it's Thiago. Um, it all, things almost came off for him today, but still, I thought he was the best player on the pitch. What about you, Abdul? Yeah, I was going to say Thiago as well. Um, I hadn't actually thought about it, but yeah, I think Thiago, another really impressive showing from him, and yeah, hopefully he builds on it. <laughs> Great answer. Okay, yeah. Um, Peter, what about you, man of the match? I'll have to go with Allison, saving... Uh saving us at least a point. Uh, he, he proves time and time again to be so cool and calm under pressure, always coming up big, um, coming out of his box when he needed to. Having him back there to support whatever's, whatever player we put at center back is just massive. Um, he's the one player we, we could not lose for the season, and he proves it time and time again. Lovely answer. Yeah, of course, Alison. Yeah, we haven't even spoken about those two fantastic saves. And as you say, Peter, yeah, coming out of his goal to deny Rashford when he was actually onside in the first half. And yeah, you know, he, he's so cool in, in possession. Um, brilliant call. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Josh? Um, as an old Liverpool fan here, I'll uh, I'll try and add a bit of a I'll try a bit of a outside the box thinking. Uh, I will go for Luke Shaw personally. Uh, I think Luke Shaw, no matter no matter who um, no matter who um, was Adam, no matter who he was dealing with, Manuel Salah, I thought he was really good. I've never seen I've never seen Salah struggle that much against a fullback before. You know, a fullback will always gift and always gift. You know. Um, a top class winger like Salah or Mane a chance, but I thought he, I thought he, I thought his discipline was fantastic. He was not messing around at all. He was, you know, it just seemed like Luke Shaw was really was just playing really, really well in general. He was doing all the defensive work really, really well. Even when going forward on the on those limited chances that he got, I thought he, I thought he was another extra element of um, threat. So for me, it would be uh, for me, it would be Luke Shaw. That's another good call. Yeah, absolutely. Luke Shaw, he does seem to have Mo Salah's number, I have to say, unfortunately. Um, I, Mo Salah, of course, got that wonderful goal where um, he took his uh, top off last season and the crowd started singing, Now You're Gonna Believe Us. That was the famous day when everybody, um, you know, just was singing it from the rooftops that Liverpool were going to win the league. And that was the only match where I've also taken off my top, but not, unfortunately, to reveal um, a finely chiselled six-pack. And that's all I'm going to say on that. Um, let's move on uh, to um, Klopp, because it was uh, 200 games in the Premier League for, for Jurgen Klopp. Um, and I found a lovely statistical analysis on Twitter from Opta. Um, the stats before 
Klopp arrived, the 200 games before Klopp arrived, um, we had won 94 of them, drawn 48 and lost 58. Um, And under Klopp, we've now won 127 compared to 94. We've drawn 48 compared to 48, exactly the same amount of number. Same amount of number, you know what I mean. Um, And we've only lost 25 of those 200 games compared to 58 under the previous managers from May the 2nd, 2010 to October the 8th, 2015. So he's basically given us uh, 33 extra wins. He's turned 33 losses into wins, um, which is absolutely crazy. His win percentage is 63.7%, I believe. Um, Abdul Jurgen Klopp, um, the greatest manager for a very very long time um at liverpool uh can you see him lasting beyond 2024 because i want him there forever yeah i mean you said it all to be fair like there's there's not a lot more that can be said about Klopp that hasn't already been said by somebody um so i mean yeah very popular guy I'm sure that German national team job is there just waiting for him whenever he says he wants it. I'm sure Bayern Munich are probably looking at him as well, just thinking, come on, when when Hansi flicks, if, if it doesn't go for him as well. I'm pretty sure Barcelona, they would love him as well. Real Madrid, they might want him as well. Uh, every Every single club in the world, possibly except for Man City and Man United, would, I think, love to have him through the door if he said that he would want it. And... Those stats that you've just pointed out, um, they tell the story. Um, if you guys remember when he came into Liverpool, uh, for years, the whole the, the narrative around Liverpool was that this is a dangerous team. They can score goals, but they also concede them. And he, from his very first, uh, you know, first few matches, post-match conferences, he was always talking about, yeah, we have a good team here. We have a good football playing team, but we need to build consistency in this team. And consistency um, comes from consistency. And now, five years later, we have possibly the most consistent team in possibly Europe, I would say. And not just consistency of results, but consistency of starting 11, when when all of our centre-backs are fit anyways. Um, consistency of playing style, consistency of you know attacking style with all the crosses and all that kind of stuff. And it's it's our great strength, I think, um, just how consistent we are. But just to uh, play with the words here, it's also part of our weakness as a team um, because we are kind of coming into this patch of stagnation and we do need to refresh the team, um, maybe not personnel-wise, but like more ideas-wise and how to play the football in the middle of the pitch. And that's why we signed Thiago. So... This is his new test. Um, he's given us the consistency, but now he needs to build on top of that and take us to a new level. And honestly, I, I don't know how he's going to do that because that doesn't usually happen just like that in a football team. Um, lots of managers have struggled to just build a new team. And that was the thing that Alex Ferguson, Sir Alex Ferguson, to give him his respect, even though I'm a Liverpool fan, but that was the thing that Sir Alex Ferguson excelled at. Um, and that's the thing 
like there's so many similarities between Klopp and Ferguson, and I'm I'm keen to see if Klopp can keep on this this trend of doing things like Ferguson and take Liverpool to the next level. Very interesting answer. Although he will always be Fergie to me, um, Sir Alex Ferguson. I think he was a, he was a very good manager. Let's uh, give him his credit. Absolutely excellent manager, of course. But uh, he never managed 97 points or 99 points. He only managed 92 points and in an era where really Manchester United were the only super rich club. So I don't think he was that good in terms of, yeah, brilliant in, in domestically, but in Europe, I don't know. The, the questions remain, the questions remain. But let's continue talking about Jurgen Klopp. Um, um, yeah, what about you, Peter? I mean, can you, I mean... Abdul mentioned some very interesting things here. He does have three years left of his contract in which he's presumably going to build a second team to take over from this one because uh, most of our key players are over the age of 26. Um, so, But can you see him staying beyond there or do you think he would go to Europe or or, or to um, you know the international stage, as, as Abdul suggested? What do you think, Peter? I... First off, um, I don't see him staying beyond his current contract extension. He's somebody who seems to have his life priorities in check. Uh, his his family and his own health and wellness um, are important to him, as they should be. And he puts everything in all his passion into everything that he does. And that, that is, is clear to see. But I think he knows it takes a toll on himself and i think the fact that he's already extended his contract to be longer than any other um amount of time he's been in a, in a position uh speaks volumes about his relationship and his intent and his intent to to sort of not rebuild but continue to build this team going forward but the fact that he was able to rally the players after losing in the champions league to come back and put up 97 points and come up just short of the Premier League and then to go on and win the Champions League and then to come back the next year and put up 98 points, to have the ability to instill so much resiliency and hunger and belief without bringing in a lot of players each window. I mean, you know, he, he bought who he needed to along the way, and that's another one of his strengths. You know, he knows what he needs to get rid of. You know, it was a hard call for him probably to to get rid of Carius. You know, he knew that he had to let Coutinho go, and he let Chan go, and he's going to get let Wijnaldum go. Um, you have to keep bringing in fresh blood. But the fact that he still has Liverpool fighting for first place, we have we had zero recognized center backs <laughs> today and we gave gave what five five or six shots total up to you uh against united uh with fabinho and henderson playing um, he has just done such wonders for our mentality and resiliency and that's the reason i still believe that there's a lot left to be played for this season but um Looking beyond 2024, unfortunately, I don't think Klopp is going to stay. But I got to respect what he's given to the club. Um, yeah. It's a marvellous answer. It's a marvellous answer. And all we can do is just enjoy enjoy him while he's here because he's, um, he's an absolute genius. I, I mean, he really is. Uh, Josh, um, I, very, I'm very interested in your view on this because 
I want to ask you, Chelsea's success has come from Roman Abramovich. And I'm not talking about, of course, the money has helped a lot. Um, but it's the way that Roman has no patience with any manager who doesn't do like ridiculously well. Um, so my question to you, Josh, is, is it important to have a good, you know, a brilliant manager like Klopp is when at a club like Chelsea? I mean, you know, if Klopp joined Chelsea and he had maybe, I don't know, a sticky patch for, let's say, six months, then he would presumably be out of the door and then Roman would just get another manager and hope, hopefully that, that would work better. Um, so at your club, Josh, it's like the chairman is really the boss and at our club, the manager is really the boss. And I'm just interested in your opinion as to, you know, which model works better or they, they both have their, their merits? Well, well, to, to your point, to your point about Roman Abramovich, um, Abramovich, obviously, um, obviously, obviously, the story about uh, Roberto De Matteo won the Champions League in 2012, uh, and then uh, obviously was given was a job full time and then got sacked once. I think I think it was I think it was like only two months into the job. Uh, what Abramovich has started to change. What Abramovich structure was it was it was all short term. It was get successful managers in, pay them big wages. Back them in the window. It was it was defensive football. It was um it was a matter of having a clinical striker who would score 30, 40 goals. This is why, that's why Conte struggled after Diego Costa. If he didn't have it, he didn't have that goal scoring uh, presence up front. Um, and that's what Bradford did. You know, he he brought in managers. You know, you know when you get when you have defensive managers, they will only last for two seasons because players eventually get bored, you know, playing that way, you know, uh, they, they, and eventually turn on the manager, and that's what happened literally every single time. Is that a manager, a, a defense, we had a defensive manager, who was a pragmatic manager, who was all about the defense, keeping those clean sheets, and just scoring score one goal and playing play, play everyone behind the ball, um, and then players got bored of it, and then they turned on him, and then Abramovich sacked him, and then another one came in, it was vice versa. That changed with Maurizio Sarri, you know, it was a big gamble taking Sarri, he never won a big trophy, um, Napoli was only his real big club, um, obviously he pushed Juventus, but the season before we took him, he pushed Juventus all the way until they kind of fell off towards the end, and it was Juventus' title in the end. Um, he has changed. I honestly think if if you're talking, if Abramovich was following what he did in those, in those years where Chelsea were extremely successful with Mourinho, um, even Frank Gank, um, uh, Antonio Conte, Frank Lampard would be gone by now. Sorry, would have been sacked last season after the six 0 trashing of um at the Etihad. So Abramovich is changing his his approach. He, you know, we we've had two attacking managers now in Lampard and Sarri. The fact that he took Frank Lampard in the first place, given he had one full season of managerial experience in the uh, championship with Derby County, shows that Abramovich is changing the course. He is willing to be patient. He is willing to try. He is trying to be a bit more open minded, so to speak. So I think he he's in he's in a transition period. Um. And if Lampard is to be, if Lampard does get sacked, if the form, I know we bet Fulham, but that performance was extremely unconvincing. And, you know, against ten men, it was, it was and even even his starting lineup was 
question marks all over the place. If a if, if Van Gamper gets sacked, that's because it was deserved. Because I think everyone would agree that, team, that this Chelsea team should be doing better than what they are. But in general, I think that Abramovich is changing, and I do think that's the way football needs to be. Because you know these defensive managers, there's only two, there's only you know you've got Mourinho, Conte, and uh, Diego Simeone. Simeone is doing really good on Atletico Madrid, but last season they were. They weren't particularly anything great. Obviously, they bet uh, Liverpool in the uh, Champions League, but Liverpool should have bet them at Anfield quite uh, by three or four goals. You got uh, Antonio Conte, he's struggling at Inter Milan at the moment. Um, and then obviously, you've got Jose Mourinho, whose spurs are up and down. So, defensive managers aren't the way to go anymore. And the only way the only way to go in football is to get a young, experienced manager and give them time to element their philosophy because defensive uh, tactics are easy to install. Um, to to get a team playing proper good football, it takes a good couple of seasons. So for me, I always believe, and I'm happy Abraham Fitch is doing this, is that you take that you take that you take that patience approach. You bring in managers. There's a ton of young managers coming. There's a ton of young managers going to be coming through um, into the football league. And you know, obviously, Ryan Rooney's now. Ryan Rooney's joined. Uh, Terry Henry's in the MLS. There's Frank Lampard. There's Gerard who will take over from club. I'm absolutely sure of that. Um, because you look at the patience approach that Rangers have with Gerrard, the 21 points, the 21 points clear of Celtic in the Scottish League. So I think taking the patience approach by far is the way football is going with managers who play this attacking style. And for me personally, I feel like that's the way it should be. I think Abramovic should leave those. Uh, this we're going to get a manager in, do well, win a Premier League, and sack him next season when things start going wrong. Stick with your manager, back him. Let him element his philosophy. Let him, you know, really let him show what he wants to do. And it, it does pay out in the end. It's painful. But it's exactly what Liverpool did with uh, Jurgen Klopp. You know, Klopp, Klopp could have been out the door plenty of times with a stock with him. And that is the way it should be. Because now, I, I, even though it doesn't always work out, most of the time it always does work out because... As, as football's getting more tactical as as you see as the seasons as the years and seasons go on. Football's getting more tactical. And it's harder to learn things. So I feel like in that case, you need to give managers more time. It's very very interesting. Um, very interesting answer. Thank you. Frank Lampard uh, has uh, been in charge of Chelsea for eighty one matches, and he's only won forty two of them, giving him a win percentage of fifty two percent, and. Um, you've had 14 managers in 13 years at Chelsea, which is very, very, very interesting, I think, stat. But, um, um, yes, uh, anyway, um, it, we've, we've gone over an hour of, of talking, so I'm, I'm just going to wrap things up, really. I just want to uh, say, Abdul, do you want to talk about, um, you know, we, we can all just uh, give, give, give what we have to plug a plug. So can you tell all, uh, all of our listeners about the fantastic Watch LFC, Abdul, please? Uh, yeah, I've, I mean, yeah, I've been running Watch LFC for a number of years now. Um, started off as hu- humble beginnings with, um, if you guys remember, the account is called Liverpool Gifts. So we used to just um, post gifts of the matches while they were happening live. And yeah, kind of took off. And yeah, uh, then all the copywriting started. And we kind of had to pivot, but from the beginning, we've always maintained that we wanted to be, you know, the number one account for any Liverpool fan to go to. So uh, we, we kind of like skip all the, um, I don't know if we're allowed to swear here, but you can bleep out if so, but we just want to skip all the bullshit. Uh, we just want to give the fans exactly what they want to see, um, which is high quality content, 
all about Liverpool, all the latest news, all of the uh, most important information that's out about in the social media web, all in one account. Um, so yeah, that's why you should follow Watch LFC to, um, you know, Watch LFC. And uh, yeah, give us a follow. We're, we're really doing well over the last few months and uh, yeah, hopefully exciting things to come in the future. Marvellous stuff. Thank you very much. Uh, Peter, do you have anything that in particular that you would like to plug? Uh, no, nothing for me to plug. Just uh, thank you uh, to you for, for having me on. It's been wonderful to talk to you guys and hear what you have to say. Uh, it's a shame it couldn't have been under uh, better circumstances for the day, but just uh, just want to you know be optimistic here and, and remember that we've gone through these draw spells before in the 18-19 season, and we have recovered from them nicely and won a lot since then. So I, I'm not one to overreact, and I'm one to still believe in Klopp and his man and mind management. Um, I, I think once Jota comes back in, um, it's going to bring a lot. I mean, he's been key for us all season. So I'm trying to, to stay optimistic. It would take another team to, you know, City would have to put together a, a crazy run um, for them to become out of reach. And I think, you know, this, this crazy season and crazy years is, is not over and there's, there's more surprises in store. So I'm, I'm just over here keeping the faith and, and trying to stay positive that we have the right, right man in charge. Wonderful answer. Yeah. And thank you very much for coming on for your cop on debut. It's actually lovely to hear from you and Josh as well. Um, uh, what, what can you tell our listeners about, uh, you know, th- it's something that you would like to plug, please. Oh, see, I'm not, I'm not a content creator, and I don't really tweet, so I'm not, <laughs> there's nothing for me really to plug there, but uh, I do co-host uh, a podcast on the Dugout Football channel. Um, I kind of uh, I kind of lead in terms of getting guests on and making video edits and uh, making it really modern and different to the other podcasts, so if you, uh, if you want to see more, if you want to see more of my ugly face, then uh, the Dugout Football channel, uh, the World of Football podcast would be where you, where you come and see me. Uh, it's Monday, it's Monday, it's Monday at 7 p.m. every single week, um, unless, unless, unless there's some big thing going on, but normally, that's normally what we aim for. And, you know, regarding the football season, as I said, you know, I'm a Chelsea supporter. It's been, it's been an up and down season. We went from 17 games unbeaten, and I, and I think we only conceded three or four goals in that run. And now we are very much struggling to score goals. You know, Ferner looks out of confidence. Uh, Havertz on the bench. Uh, CX only back from fitness. You know, it, it, it's a painful time for Chelsea, but um, I'm... Unlike most Chelsea fans, I'm sticking by Lampard. I'm, I'm crossing my fingers and keeping the faith that things turn around. We have a very, very difficult game against Leicester on Tuesday night, which I don't have. I don't think we'll win. Uh, I really don't think we'll win. But um, I said, but thank you very much for having me on. It's, been, it's a pleasure to uh, be on the to be on the other side of things to be invited on to uh, to onto a, onto a channel, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, you'll be all with us on the podcast uh, next week. Yeah, great stuff. I would love to be back on. Yeah, the World of Football podcast is great with fans from different clubs, um, you know, talking about the the beautiful game. And, uh, you know, it's nice to break down the, the boundaries of rivalries and all that. It's just a game and it's great to chat to you guys. Thank you so much for coming on, Josh. Thank you so much as well, Abdul. And uh, thank you again to Peter. Um, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks, guys. No, can I also just say thank you very much for having me as well. I think I was the only one who didn't say that, but I'm not being rude. That was genuinely very, very much. Uh, thank you for reaching out, and I have really enjoyed it. I uh, don't think I've followed you guys before, um, but I'll definitely give you guys a follow and everything like that. So, yeah, thank you very much.
thanks a lot, Abdul. It's been a, been a, been a joy. Thanks, guys. So uh, have a good uh, evening or, or day. Uh, take care on those pints, Peter. It's still early for you. Uh, so, uh, but, but enjoy your day nonetheless. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.